This is a special teaser episode of the GBBIMS podcast, where we talk about all things safe and ethical data. I'm Christy Crabtree, and joined by a fellow member of the GBVIMS technical team, Kate Rugby. We're often approached, as you know, with questions like, I want to know more about the survivors we're working with, or I need to know more about trends and violence for reporting or advocacy, or we're start starting a new program in Colombia, and we want to set up a system to track violence against women. All of these are good questions, but the secret first question we're all thinking before you even ask this question is, how can we get data if the services are lacking? So that's what we're going to dig into here on this special mini-sode teaser episode of the podcast. So Kate, kick us off. Why does it matter to get services right before data? Thanks, Christy. It's such an important question, and I think sometimes we get so focused on our data collection desires that we forget almost where the, the data on GBV incidents comes from. We know that the GBV IMS only gathers data through service provision. So that means, you know, in practical terms, one say, let's say a social worker has seen a survivor for the first time, she or he records the relevant information on that incident using the GBV IMS tools. So that's where the GBV IMS incident data comes from, from survivors accessing help. And let's not forget as well why we gather that data. It's not to prove that GBV exists and it's not to justify our humanitarian interventions. We gather the data so that we can make sure that our programs respond in the best possible ways to survivors' needs. When we're thinking about data and services, I think we, we need to remember as humanitarian responders that our responsibility is to ensure that survivors of GBV are able to access safe and quality life-saving services. And that's why we always prioritize the delivery of services over the gathering of data. Making sure that life-saving services are in place to support survivors has got to take precedence over data collection. But the problem is in, in emergencies in the context that we're often working in, we see a lot of the time that services are disrupted because of conflict or natural disaster or both. And in some places, maybe specialized services to support GBV survivors didn't really exist before the crisis. Maybe there wasn't much of a national focus on GBV needs before the emergency. Or maybe some services had to shut down because staff had had to flee or buildings physically didn't stand anymore or because roads are blocked and travel isn't safe. Often emergencies see organizations or national structures scaling up their GBV work to respond to, to this great need. And that can mean that service providers, and that means in practical terms, you know, social workers, psychosocial responders, health personnel, Often they need to learn new skills on how to respond to GBV or, or they need to strengthen their skills to do this in a way that's safe and ethical and in a way that honors the survivor-centered approach. And really, until all of that is in place, we can't collect data in a way that would adhere to our, our global standards and, and best practices. If, if we did collect data before services were really set up, what do you think that data would look like? I mean, I, I think you've heard me say before, Kate, I feel like it's garbage in, garbage out. What is the value in the analysis or the numbers you get out if the services are not set up, if they're not set up right, if staff are untrained? What's the point of it? I think there's a lot of cliches I can put in here, but cart before the horse comes to mind for sure. We've obviously 
tussled with this issue a lot on the GBVIMS side, being focused on the CART side of things. We come in with the data and we often go somewhere where people have really good intentions and they want to do good things with their data and we see that services aren't there. So after struggling with this issue for quite some time, we're taking action on the GBVIMS side. We've seen this struggle for a while. We've gotten these requests for systems and really what ends up happening, the lesson that we had to learn in quite a number of circumstances before we took this action was that when you're rolling out a data system, it has this way unintentionally of exposing what you're not doing well on the service side. So for example, we come in somewhere and we train on the classification tool. And that's a simple process of elimination tool that anybody can learn. But in training people on that tool, you very quickly realize if people know about GBV concepts, if they know about GBV, if they know about power and control and what that means in the cycle of violence, all of that stuff comes out really quickly. So we go these places where people would say, yeah, we have services, but then we start to do a training and unintentionally realize that services are not set up or staff need more training before they can take this form and take it forward and potentially cause more harm. So we had to learn this lesson a lot before we realized that this was something we really had to go after. I mean, as you say, after, you know, what's now been 10 years, 10 whole years of, of GBVIMS rollouts, all of those gaps became apparent. And, and the GBVIMS Global Steering Committee realized that there was, there was really, you know, ultimately an ethical responsibility to ensure that quality services were placed before going out and setting up the GBVIMS in a country. And so the steering committee decided that case management should really be an integral part of the, the GBVIMS scope of work, if you like. So, I mean, there was a recognition of um, what was really a global gap in training and learning resources that were specifically on gender-based violence case management. And, and after piloting some case management work in the field, the steering committee spearheaded the interagency gender-based violence case management guidelines in collaboration with a number of other global uh, GBV prevention and response actors. So now the GBVIMS steering committee and the, the technical team, its operational arm, is, is working very hard to roll out those guidelines. So that includes, for example, uh, integrating case management into GBVIMS evaluations um, and delivering case management capacity building interventions in countries where the GBVIMS has been rolled out to make sure that that gap's really addressed anywhere that we're, we're setting up that system. So we're trying to take a more holistic approach to all of this. So at the beginning of this mini-sode, I mentioned this is actually a teaser episode. So you might be wondering, teaser to what? I really wish I had some sound effects here for a drum roll or something. We are releasing on September 3rd, a seven part podcast series on each of the steps of the case management process. You might be thinking, hey, I know there's only six steps of the case management process. What are these seven episodes about? There's gonna be also a secret bonus episode released at the same time that you'll have to listen to find out what it's about. So stay tuned, check out the interagency case management guidelines, get your vacation done. September is back in school, back to the basics. Thanks, Christy. As always, be responsible with your data and learn more at gbvims.com. And of course, check back here on September 3rd. <laughs>